Hello and welcome to The Coworking Club, a podcast for female business owners who want to work for themselves, not by themselves. I'm your host Jessica Berry and each week I'll be chatting to a new guest all about the realities of running your own business, sharing tips and tricks for dealing with the loneliness and isolation that comes with working from home, as well as discussing the benefits of building community through co-working. So what are you waiting for? Come and join the club. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coworking Club. I really hope that you are doing well and you're looking forward to today's guest interview. So today I am welcoming the very lovely Joe Hooper, who is the founder of Mad and Sad Club to the podcast to chat all about waving goodbye to that dreaded corporate hangover. Joe set up Mad and Sad Club back in 2019 after experiencing two breakdowns and struggling with her own mental health. After leaving her corporate job behind, Joe decided to use her experience to help business owners to build businesses in a way which supports their mental health so they can lead happy and healthy lives. In the episode I chat to Joe all about why the traditional ways of working are so ingrained within us and how to break free from that corporate conditioning. Why boundaries are so important to implement within your business to support your mental health and well-being as well as why pricing based on your time is such a big no-no. This is a topic that I so often find myself chatting about with other business owners because I know it's something that a lot of us struggle with so it was really great to get Jo on the podcast and hear some of her expert advice. I actually completely forgot to ask Jo my final question which is always where can we find you online so you can find Jo over at Mad and Sad Club on Instagram and madandsadclub.co.uk. If you do enjoy the episode, it would be amazing if you could share it on your stories and tag both Joe and I so we know that you found it useful. But without further ado, here is our conversation. Hi Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. I can't wait to dive into today's topic. So do you <laughs> want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your career history so far and the background behind your business? Yeah, of course. Um, so hello, I'm Jo Hooper. I run Mad and Sad Club and I spent 11 years in the communications industry in corporates, um, in agencies and basically had a series of mental health crises over a period of a year really between 2017 and 2018 and ended up being signed off work for three months and kind of had to figure out how to live and work totally differently to the way that I had done because the way that I'd been living and working before just wasn't healthy or sustainable and in doing that I realized that lots of other people are in a similar position to me and also that I just could not make my then job work with you know looking after my mental health Mm -hmm. so I in a happy coincidence I ended up taking redundancy thank you very much (laughs) um (laughs) which gave me the sort of 
financial buffer and time buffer to set up my business. So I've been going for two years now and I basically help people to run and structure their businesses in a way that supports their mental health rather than kind of daily tramples on it. So yeah, that's me. Mm, energy thought about setting up a business and how that could potentially work alongside managing your mental health before you took the redundancy is it something that was on your mind previously really no no I'd never (laughs) I'd never thought I wanted to work for myself I'd never I'd, I'd actively thought I didn't want to work for myself because I thought I couldn't I thought I'd really struggle with the sort of uncertainty and the the kind of um, what I perceive to be lack of security of not having a monthly paycheck. But I think what the last year has shown me is actually that I feel more secure working for myself because it's me who makes the decisions and it's down to me if this business works or not, rather than someone I don't know making decisions about my life and my career. Mm-hmm. So I I ended up, I left the company in the at the start of February and I had started in December to think about um, how I could maybe turn this into a thing and starting to kind of think about it and map it out. And um, so it all happened very quickly. And yeah, I, I kind of thought about maybe making this a thing alongside work in the December and then in the February I was like, right, so I'm going to do it now. So yeah, I kind of did a bit of a... 180 360 yeah so you were starting completely from scratch at that point as in you didn't have any social media following or anything like that you were very much (laughs) right at the beginning yeah I had nothing um (laughs) I spent again thank you redundancy I spent what felt like months or years watching YouTube videos tutorials of how to set up a WordPress website with this theme using Elementor (laughs) Pro like literally watching a minute stopping it going to the website doing the thing that they just showed you how to do in that minute going back to the video like (laughs) I remember sitting in a pub oh back in the day when that was possible (laughs) using their wi-fi and nursing a pint of coke like watching these YouTube videos over and over and over again trying to make it work and cobbling my website together so yeah I had zip all um, and started very much from scratch Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, I don't feel like I knew the kind of origins of the business and where it started from. So yeah, interesting. So there's so many people who choose to set up their own businesses because they want the freedom and flexibility that comes with being your own boss. But why is it you think that we then go on to, you know, not prioritise our own well-being and mental health within that when we have that opportunity available to us? Yeah, the old freedom thing. I think um, you're so right. Like we go into self-employment being like, I want freedom. I want flexibility. I want to do things my way. And so often we fall into doing things the way that we've been taught by society, by employed life, by corporates and by others. Um, You know, working, starting work at nine in the morning, working till five, working Monday to Friday, you know, charging by the hour, not kind of setting boundaries around what we need and running our services in a way that other people want rather than what we want. And I think there are two kind of big things that come to mind. One is, you know, we're kind of indoctrinated conditioned by society about what work is work is hard work is Monday to Friday nine to five and it's very hard to kind of shake that off especially 
if you don't know what you want work to look like. And it's kind of like a real process, I think, for all of us to figure out what we want our work to look like. Mm -hmm. And then I think secondly, when we work for ourselves, we can be even harder on ourselves than we are when we're employed by others, um, because it's all on us. And it's also, if you don't have a sense of kind of intrinsic validation or confidence, which many of us don't, because we're taught to seek it externally from ourselves, working for yourself can kind of be, it can be a real challenge to try and maintain sort of sense of confidence or or ability or kind of worth or value. And so we often tend to throw ourselves headfirst into the business and push and push and push and work and work and work and see that as kind of a sense of validation. So yeah, I think it's kind of two pronged. It's like society and everything that's modeled to us about work, and kind of what's going on inside our own heads. Yeah, that's so true. And sometimes I reflect on it and think, you know, before I set up my own business, I was only really working in traditional employment for maybe four years, five years, something like that. And you think, oh my gosh, can all of this, you know, have been drilled into me in a short period of time. Mm. But I guess it's going further back than that and thinking, Mm. well, you know, you have your whole life going to school, which are set hours and you see your parents and family members going to work, you know, in these traditional senses. So I guess it's a combination of all of that coming together yeah I think so and I think you know everything that we're taught consciously or subconsciously whether it's at school reading books um what we see on the news what we see from our parents what we see from other people's parents going into shops going into doctor surgeries what we see everywhere around us is that this it kind of paints this picture of what work is supposed to be and even silly kind of phrases you know like early early bird catches the worm or nothing that's worth having comes easy mm. all of these kind of societal cues tell us what work is and what work should be and it's hard to recognize pick up on and notice those and even harder to shift them within yourself and I think in a way like I kind of got a head start on that because I'd already you know had a breakdown and realized that I couldn't continue working in the way that society and my industry and my job told me that I should so I'd kind of got over that first bit but yeah it's it's hard to notice what's wrong if you don't know what can be changed Mm, yeah I think that's a big part of it isn't there if you've not seen those options and not seen it in action before then you don't as you say you don't necessarily know what on how you can change things but I'm sure anyone who has taken the leap into self-employment has had some sort of experience with this dreaded corporate hangover and what are some of the most common ways that this shows up for yourself and your clients Oh, the corporate hangover. Yes. It's interesting. <laughs> I was working with some people who who are employed mm-hmm. and they were kind of talking, doing one-to-one work with them and they were talking about basically how they were having kind of bringing a corporate hangover with them from previous jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think it can affect us similarly to to kind of our mental health. It can affect us in kind of three categories. One is emotional and cognitive. So it can affect our ways of thinking and our thought patterns. So, you know, if you've ever done any work on your mental health or been to therapy, then you'll often do some work to figure out what your core belief is about yourself. And normally, if you're in therapy, it's something negative. (laughs) Um, So for me, my core belief about myself is that I'm a failure. Mm. And the kind of the notion of corporate work just perpetuates that and keeps that going. 
And then the kind of second way that it can affect you, and it's all kind of interlinked is so emotional and cognitive ways of thinking, and then it can affect your behaviors. So if you think like me, if you think I'm a failure, then you'll always be prone to overwork. I'll always be prone to over deliver. I'll always be thinking I should be doing more. I should be doing X. And um, for me, that's like a, a daily kind of thing that I need to notice, be aware of and try to shift because I know that those behaviours aren't healthy for me. And they're all kind of spurred on by those ways of thinking. And then I think there's a kind of more like amorphous category of things, which is like ways of being. So, you know, you are, it's modeled to you that you should be professional, whatever that means, and you should be well-rounded, whatever that means. You know, when you're in your like review and they're like, oh, you're great with words, but you're terrible with numbers. So we're going to send you on an accounting course. And often in our businesses, we kind of unconsciously apply that to ourselves. Like, oh, I'm terrible at, you know, being consistent. I'm really not a well you know I don't plan things I really should plan things more well maybe you should just be a bit more fly by the seat of your pants maybe that's okay maybe (laughs) maybe working in a way and in alignment with who you are is much easier and much calmer much happier than trying to you know force your square peg into that triangular shaped hole so yeah I think it can show up in ways of kind of thinking about things ways of behaving and ways of kind of being or approaching our work Mm -hmm. yeah and I'm sure everyone listening will be able to you know think of particular occasions and particular ways that those show up for them and you've spoken about how this traditional way of working is so ingrained in us even after we leave those corporate jobs but what are some of the practical ways that we can try to shake it off yeah I think Firstly, I think it's like getting to know who you are, what you want and what you need, like reminding yourself that you run this business for you. Um, And I think it might sound a bit counterintuitive, but, you know, we're always taught that. And again, it's something, you know, that we hear from society all the time. The customer's always right. And I need to think about what my people need from me. But actually, what about if you think about what you need first and kind of try to shake off this idea that my business needs X? what about what you need and then build the business around what you need so I think practically if you start kind of experimenting with changing up the things that don't feel right so if you feel like you're having a slump of energy in the afternoons why not try working from like nine till two or try working in the evenings if that's something that you want and feel able to do and tracking those things so you know maybe for a week trying a couple of changes tracking how it makes you feel tracking how it affects your energy um and you know if there's a positive shift there then perhaps that's something you can build into a habit around the way that you work so yeah noticing what isn't feeling great trying new things trying new rules new ways of working and kind of tracking how those make you feel but I guess fundamentally reminding yourself that this business is for you and should be built for you around you rather than anyone or anything else yeah I think that's so important and for the first I would say definitely year of being self-employed I just didn't try anything new and that was that was my biggest downfall in that I knew you know I had this freedom to make my day work around me and and suit my working style better but I was just too too scared to deviate from this nine to five and you know Mm -hmm. I'd feel like I needed to be working from the moment that Adam left 
to go to work until he got back and that you know that proved that I was actually doing something doing work and you know building the business but Mm -hmm. you know sitting at your desk staring into space that's not achieving anything so could have done so many other things that would have been beneficial or you know even just things that I enjoyed and I would have been able to claim back some of that time but I think in the early stages it is very much a you feel like you need to prove Mm -hmm. it to yourself and prove it to others sometimes yeah and I think I feel like there's a few things underneath that there's like the idea that you know we must be productive all the time the productivity Mm -hmm. trap that you know time not spent productively in the you know society's sense of the word is wasted time or unvaluable time or time that you should have been spending on on productive work and then I think there's also this other notion that you know, that we need to make it in inverted commas, whatever the bloody Nora that means, quick, <laughs> quickly. And I would kind of ask you to kind of think about why, why is that? Like, do I actually want to be working 12 hours a day so that I can, you know, hit an income goal 12 months ahead of if I was working like six hours a day? What do I actually want? And what is it that's driving my behaviors in this way? Because this is where I think you know, thoughts and thought patterns catalyze and affect your behavior. And also it works the other way around. So if you start to shift those behaviors and you start to see evidence that the business can work with you working six hours a day or working from your garden rather than your desk or whatever the shifts are that you're making, then it starts to change those thought patterns. So yeah, I think we're just kind of, we're taught these unhealthy, unkind things by society that then affects our how we behave when we at work and work for ourselves and yeah also like you say it's scary changing things up like and your brain is there to keep you safe um it's just that your brain isn't the best judge of risk <laughs> so it, it kind of overestimates the potential risk of you starting work at 11 rather than 9 <laughs> and <laughs> that's not always that helpful yeah, the world is going to come crumbling down because you've not yeah. been on your laptop for two hours. <laughs> yeah, and if you're anything like me, between like 9 and 11, you're on your laptop, like just looking through emails and doing nothing about them. <laughs> Morning <laughs> is not my most productive time. <laughs> no, exactly. A lot of people definitely need that kind of warming up time, don't oh, they? Yeah. So why not spend it going for a walk or yeah. reading a book or other ways that you can kind of utilize that time I guess or just sleeping in yeah exactly <laughs> like you know if you beat yourself up about oh god I can never wake up until like half eight nine well maybe that's what your body needs maybe that's fine like mm. oh the whole nine to five thing drives me insane like you know that comes from like the industrial revolution where we started to like fewer people were working in the agricultural industry and more people were going to work in factories and because you know there was like not a lot of electric lighting in those days we worked together in one room in a factory from nine till five because that was when it was light and actually in the winter we would work eight till four because that was when it was light Mm. and you know we have lamps now and so it's okay we don't need to sit together in one room from nine till five (laughs) that's so interesting I never knew that yeah yeah (laughs) bloody industrial revolution (laughs) so you're a huge advocate for implementing boundaries do you want to talk about some of the different kinds of boundaries that you can create as a business owner and some of the effects that you've seen from implementing them within your own business 
Yes, I am a big boundaries fan. <laughs> um, and I think I think let's I, I I try and talk about and explain boundaries as just ways of working. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the rules of the game. It's the rules of your game. And I think there are kind of three sort of categories or ways of thinking about boundaries. One is boundaries with yourself. So if you know, like me, that you can have a tendency to overwork and maybe like me, that's because you're, you seek a lot of validation from your work, then one boundary with yourself might be, I do not work in the evenings. I do not work on the weekends. That is just the rule of the game around here. Mm -hmm. So knowing yourself and setting boundaries with yourself that will feel like a shift at the start, but will in time feel really beneficial. And then another kind of big pot to think about is boundaries with your clients. And this is why I say it's worth thinking about it as like just behaviors or ways of working or rules of the game in your business. Because say for me, I don't work in the evenings, I don't work on the weekends, which means that really, you know, I only work with sort of full-time business owners because people who are often kind of side hustling or running in their business on the side, understandably need someone that is accessible to them at the evenings and the weekends. And that isn't me. I know that certain social media platforms, cough, cough, Facebook, um, cause me a lot of kind of anxiety and stress. And so I don't, I don't play in those spaces. I don't have a Facebook group. I will never run a course through a Facebook group. So people who, who really want that sort of engagement know that my course or my program probably isn't for them. A lot of my work is mentoring and programs that I kind of set the set the boundaries for, set the rules for. But, you know, for example, if you're a copywriter, it's fine. It's acceptable. It's allowable to say, um, you know, I need changes by this date, which gives me X amount of time to meet this deadline for you. Um, And if you go over this date, then I'll have to change my deadline. It's thinking about what stresses you out in your business and putting a rule in place that stops that from happening. And then I guess the third category that I would think about is boundaries with the interweb and the apps. So (laughs) I think a lot of us, you know, struggle to get some sort of balance between utilizing and using internet things for the benefit of our business (laughs) and um, not having them become, you know, dictate the way that we live or become totally you know, infiltrated into our lives. So setting boundaries with both how you use stuff online and how you want to, again, like play in those spaces. So the the people that I kind of say it's worth looking at when it comes to boundaries on Instagram are people like Medina Grillo, who runs Grillo Designs, or Africa Daily Clark, who runs the Vitamin D Project. Um, Both of them have like a really clear boundaries highlight on their Instagram profiles that for both of them, they talk about how issues of race and anti-racism can be discussed in their space online and Africa from the vitamin D project also talks about you know her approach to sharing her life and what is and isn't okay in that space and it's absolutely okay to set rules and boundaries around how people play in your space online whether you're there for fun or whether you're there for business so yeah I think there's kind of like three big areas Mm, yeah definitely and we might go into them in a little bit more detail but yeah Yeah, you actually ran a session for our co-working club members last year on boundaries and it is a session that people still talk about now, still (laughs) still reference to and for any new members who join as well, I always make sure to highlight it 
highlight it and they tell people to watch it because I think it's a really really valuable and important session and I can tell from you know the questions that we got at the end of the session and how people responded to it that it is something that people just hadn't considered before and mm-hmm. it, you know it's surprising when you are a business owner because you have that control and you have that level of freedom to create the business however you want it but it can be so easy to fall into the trap of letting it be run by either your clients or your customers and then feeling like you don't have that element of control yeah and it can feel a bit like a runaway train mm-hmm. you know like when it comes to boundaries with clients and boundaries online people often say like you know I just I get loads of dms and people dming me about um their order when you know they need to do it through the website or people asking questions in the comments that are answered somewhere else or you know before you know it it can become your lack of boundaries or your kind of wobbly boundaries can set people's expectations of you so like boundaries like I say is just ways of working it's ways of behaving and people's expectations of you and what they can expect from your business are set by the way that you behave in the business and so by changing the way that you behave and by clearly kind of communicating to people whether it's clients or or kind of people in your online community or with yourself what those boundaries and rules are going to be going forwards it helps to set people's expectations and know what they're going to get and we like to know what we're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I guess it can lead to maybe like a dissatisfaction with your business if you don't have some of these boundaries, which really are, you know, affect starting to affect your mental health and well-being and feel like you don't have that element of control and like the business is running you, I guess. God, yeah. Like, I think it can make you resent your business. It can Mm. make you resent your clients. It can make you fearful to open up your emails or your DMs. Um, It can be really paralyzing, that sense of overwhelm. And like we say, it can feel like a runaway train, like you're out of control and it feels like you can't change things, but you always can. Like you don't have to wait for January to put new boundaries or rules into place. You can put them in whenever you want, as long as you tell people that they're there and that's the way that we're going to play now. And yeah, you're right. It can have a big impact on your mental health, on your time, on your energy, especially right now when like no one has any energy because we've been pumped full of cortisol, the stress hormone for the last 10 months. So no one we're exhausted Mm -hmm. like we need to really protect that energy and it's okay to do that we don't have to feel that doing what's right for us means compromise for others it actually means that by doing what's right for us we're showing everyone who sees us doing that that it's possible for them to to do it for themselves as well Mm -hmm. and I think in like the self-employed world it can really kind of create a bit of a ripple effect yeah what are some of the comments I guess you get from clients or just people you chat to about implementing boundaries like is there a level of worry from people about kind of stepping up and doing that yeah I think so I think people worry I think people sometimes feel guilty that they kind of haven't done it already or that they're now going to change things people worry that it's going to drive people away Mm -hmm. but I would say that what it does is it draws the right people in and you know if setting boundaries with a client means that you're not kind of compatible with them anymore I would ask you to think about if you're actually enjoying working with that client Mm. at the moment because I bet you you are because if they're bulldozing your boundaries every day then they ain't gonna feel good to work with so yeah people worry about setting boundaries kind of getting people's backs up or driving people away but actually I think it just sets people's expectations of what they're gonna get from you and with you 
I think they worry about how they can set those boundaries. So like what are the mechanisms to do that? And I think there's a few ways with clients, especially I think setting your boundaries in your marketing. Mm -hmm. So I think I hope that when people kind of come to my website or to my Instagram, they get a good idea of what they can expect from me. And that's because my boundaries are really clear in all the kind of content I create you can also include it in your kind of discovery calls you know as a literally as a and so this is the way I work I'm kind of running through your boundaries that way you can put them in your contracts or your agreements um you can have them on your email signature about you know when you check emails so Mm -hmm. on my email signature it says (laughs) something that's probably if so, basically if someone emails me and wants like an immediate response then I ain't the gal for them because on my, on my email signature it says um, I check my emails when I have the brain space so I'll get back to you when I can <laughs> uh, which could mean an, an hour it could mean two days who knows um, so yeah I think people get worried about saying to someone Mm, no that doesn't work for me but if you kind of preemptively set your boundaries before you start working with a client or you include it as kind of part of the package so you know if you are a web designer you can put within your package you know this this package includes up to two rounds of amends additional amends are charged at x and need to be given with x amount of times notice I use Voxer to communicate with all my clients so please make sure that all of our communication goes through there you can include it in all of the ways that you do business so that people, like I say, know what to expect from you and know if you're right for them. Yes, it's so, so true because I think it just sets that level of like respect, I guess, as well from the beginning because you know exactly, like you said, what you can expect. And I know from personal experience when I got in touch with you about hosting that session for us, I knew that you didn't work in the evening. So it just simply meant me kind of slightly readjusting my timeline and saying, I know you don't work in the evening. So what time would work for you? Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, in that example, like if you're, if the members of the co-working club or you needed someone to do it in the evening, then you just know that I'm not the gal for you. Mm. I literally evangelize about this book all the time, but I have on my desk and I have like, I spout lines from it all the time, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle is like my life Bible. (laughs) And um, she talks in there about how we're sold this lie again by, you know, society, the way that we're brought up, the way that we live in, in our country, that by doing, sorry, we're sold this lie that doing what's right for us means bad things for other people or means compromise for other people. And that for women, especially, we're taught that the epitome of womanhood is to be selfless. It's to totally abandon yourself for others. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of perpetuates this idea that it's not okay for us to say what we need or take what we need or give ourselves what we need. But actually, by doing what we need, by living in a way that works for us, by looking after our mental health or our physical health or whatever it is that's important to us, we're giving everyone around us, everyone who sees us do that, permission that they can do it for themselves. And like I said, I think that can be so powerful in the online business world because it's a totally different way of thinking than you know the customer is always right or the customer comes first when you run your own business you have to come first otherwise it's just not sustainable yeah it's so true and so often you know timelines and 
things like that that people can get stuck on like in the grand scheme of things they don't really matter like yes I usually run some sessions in the evening but on this occasion we brought it forward it didn't really make a a huge difference you know and I'm sure it's the same for other things that some clients maybe get stuck on when in reality if you put your foot down and you know stay strong to your boundaries and um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will be fine in the end yeah it's interesting like the time thing so I work I work with someone in my business now Ali she's amazing Um, and you know when we first started working together we talked about each other's boundaries Mm -hmm. and I said to her like the one thing I don't want you to do is work when you don't want to be working because of me like that is the antithesis of how I want to work if you are unwell or you know if a deadline that we've set is just not doable or you feel like crap and you don't want to work that day that's fine like nothing Mm -hmm. is that important that it can't be done later than we expect like deadlines are just there so we get things done yeah it's our business it doesn't really you know matter when it gets done so yeah the whole time thing and like sticking to our own deadlines and sometimes those deadlines can just be like a stick to beat us with just change the ready deadline I love that. And it just shows, you know, for Ali, it's that reassurance that this is, this can be the way it works. And, you know, you can work around each other and we can all have our own boundaries, but still, you know, they can still complement one another and that you can still work together. And yeah, yeah, that's a really nice message, I think. Yeah. And I think it comes back to what you mentioned about respect, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and again, I think this kind of comes back to um, this idea of what work is and should be. But sometimes it's easy for us to fall into the the mindset of an employee when we work with someone else. And actually, you're, you know, you're an expert providing a service for someone else you're not employed by them. And it is absolutely okay and acceptable for you to say, this is how I work. And for you to kind of set some rules and some some ways of working around that relationship, it doesn't have to be dictated by that other person. Because if that doesn't work for you or doesn't feel good to you, then you're not going to enjoy working with them. It's going to you know, niggle at you all the time. Like I asked people on Instagram, um, because I'm actually planning a, a about to launch a new program on boundaries and I asked people on Instagram what it felt like to have their boundaries pushed and had some amazing answers one person said like being constantly punched in the face um, <laughs> one person said like I'm a human Jenga about to fall to pieces at the slightest push <laughs> like not setting boundaries or allowing those boundaries to be pushed can be so detrimental to your mental health and to your business mm-hmm Absolutely. So I think there is often a misconception that maybe working in a way that actually suits us means compromising on income. Do you want to share your experience on how it can actually do the opposite? Yeah, I think again, it's about like, recognizing and focusing on the fact that you are your niche, like you are your thing. And people who resonate with that want to work with you so I think also we you know for for me I I do one-to-one mentoring and run programs and courses and things like that um but I only work I only have four one-to-one mentoring appointments a week because that's the amount of mental energy I have for that sort of work Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you know that I'm putting a massive limit on my earning potential because I run other things as well and something that 
Ray Dodd, uh, a money coach, said um, in one of my programs recently, was that if your time is limited because you because your mental health allows you to work a certain amount of hours per week or your physical health or you have caring responsibilities then that doesn't make your time any less valuable it makes it more valuable because it's in shorter supply so you don't have to say oh I'm so sorry I only work on a Tuesday and a Thursday and therefore um, I'd make my prices really low because I'm I'm making it hard for you to work with me your prices are your prices and you don't have to think that you need to reduce them because you're putting kind of conditions around the, the way that people can work with you. I think the the thing to bear in mind is like, you know, I'm when we said about working, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, and that being driven by this idea that you want to get to a certain income level in a certain amount of time. My personal choice is that I don't want to work like that. I don't want to go after that. I want to run a business that I love and enjoy and make good money from, but can work in a way that doesn't send me frigging more crazy than I already am. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, maybe that means I'm never going to be a millionaire. Probably does mean that. And that's absolutely fine because that sounds like a lot of work that I don't want to do. So I think there is this kind of, there's a spectrum. There's a choice to be made. Do you want to, you know, kill yourself to make X thousand in six months? Or do you want to create a business that is sustainable in the long term, that you enjoy running, that can make you the money that you want it to make you just in a way that works for you? And yeah, I choose the second option. But, you know, lots of people out there choose the first and that's fine. I'm just not the not the mentor for them. No, it's determining what's important to you and what kind of business you want to create as well. But I've seen that you have moved away from where you don't kind of price per hour. And I saw that came up for you as well when you were looking to outsource help within your business. So on the job description, it had a rate of pay, but then you didn't allot that to a certain number of hours. It was it was allotted to tasks instead. Yeah, God, no, not a lot of hours in any way. (laughs) So I think the pricing by the hour thing comes back to this idea of what work should be and the idea of where we as worker bees, where our value is found. Mm -hmm. And what we're taught by employed life is that our value is found in our time. You're paid for 39 and a half hours a week. You get one hour per day lunch break. If you come in late, you need to make that time up at the end of the day or later in the week. We're taught that what is valuable is our time and I don't believe that that's the case because I always use these absolutely bizarre examples when I'm talking about this based on what I can see in front of me but if you're a potter (laughs) I've got a plant pot in front of me if you're a potter maybe your first pot takes you like 12 hours to make and then a few years down the line your pots take you two hours to make Going by the logic that our value is in our time, you should charge more for that first wobbly, wonky, dodgy 12-hour pot than you charge for your now professional, exciting pots that take you two hours that, you know, you spent years learning how to make. Mm -hmm. And so also when we're self-employed, pricing by the hour is just a one-way ticket to burnout and to a massive ceiling on your earning potential because you can only you can only earn however many hours you're willing to put in and that's just not sustainable you're working in your delivering time needs to pay for your working on time and your recovery time and all of the rest of the times so yeah when I price and when I was looking for someone to help me 
I didn't want to price by the hour because a I feel really uncomfortable saying to someone can I buy some of your time because I don't think that's healthy or sane or something that should be perpetuated or encouraged and like I don't care how long it takes you like if it takes you 20 minutes brilliant it takes me like four years to figure out how to do that (laughs) so it really doesn't matter to me how long it takes you I mean if it's taking you like forever and you feel like I'm not paying you enough to to kind of cover the effort that goes in then absolutely we should have a conversation about whether this is right but yeah it doesn't bother me how long it takes you I just bothers me that someone other than me does it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like it means that you know you know if you need to take a day off because you're ill again that doesn't matter to me I'm not going to pay you less this month because you were ill like if you can do the thing another day then great like I want you to be able to take the time off because you're ill not worry that you can't because you won't get paid Mm-hmm. yeah when you explain it like that it's just like it's a no-brainer isn't it? it it just works yeah it and I think what's valuable to me is having someone who is great at the things I really want them to do and enjoys doing those things and yeah means that I don't have to do them it's not the amount of time that you put in like if someone was like you know I'm spending 10 hours a day on your stuff. I'd be like, jeepers, that's awful. What's gone wrong? (laughs) Um, So yeah, the time thing is just like this total misnomer that we're taught, I think, by employed life. Yeah, it really is. And when you mentioned like making up the time, like there's so much time in in an office setting where people, you know, you're having a chat at the coffee station or, you know, you're in a meeting that runs over longer than it should do. And there's so much time that is wasted in an office setting that it seems ludicrous that you have to sit at your desk for an hour longer because you went to a doctor's appointment. Exactly. It's absurd. (laughs) I could go on about it all day. I won't. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is is one of those difficult things to to get rid of though, isn't it? When you're working for yourself, that mentality that if you arrive at your desk later, then you have to work later. But if you can get it all done in a shorter amount of time, why wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's safe to say that the past year has been very tough. And you mentioned earlier, you know, we've been pumped full of this stress hormone for almost a full year now and it's safe to say that a lot of business owners out there are probably feeling pretty exhausted and run down by now so what advice would you give them on looking after themselves during this time? First I would say don't feel guilty, don't feel lazy, don't feel like you should be doing more because Every time you see an announcement that Boris is coming on the telly at five or every time you see a piece of news speculating about what comes next or every time you get a WhatsApp from a family member talking about how little loo roll there is in Asda (laughs) or every every time you see someone in a mask or not in a mask or coming too close to you or too far from you, all of those instances, all of those experiences the impact of those experiences is that every time that happens, you get a shot of cortisol, which is a stress hormone fired into your body by your brain. And that's a very natural physiological reaction to stress. But what's happening is we're having a natural reaction to a an unnatural amount of stress. 
And what that does over a period of time is it impacts your sleep, it impacts your cognitive function, it makes it harder for you to think, to focus, to make decisions, it impacts your digestion, it can make you have headaches, it can give you random aches and pains, it can impact, you know, your heart rate, it can impact your behavior, it can impact the way that you think. So don't feel bad, first of all. Because this is just your body trying to look after itself. I would also say, just to kind of hark back to our boundaries conversation, but your boundaries need to be at their strongest when often they're at their weakest. So now when you have very little energy, you need to protect it. Mm. And if that means taking on fewer clients or adapting your packages or, you know, running that program again that you ran last year because it's there and it's ready and it's easy and people need it, do that. Ask yourself what would make this easier or what would make this better for me. And also, side note, remember easy work is not shameful. We're taught that hard work is noble and easy work is shameful. And that's just rubbish. (laughs) Allow yourself to go for what's easy. (laughs) Give yourself regular breaks, go with your energy. You know, we're in winter at the moment and we like nature, like, you know, stuff that grows. We are not meant to be at our most energetic when it's dark and cold. So it's natural that your energy is lower combined with the, you know, events of the last year so yeah know that you're not alone know that you're not lazy be kind to yourself make things easier for yourself and protect your energy as much as you can and if that means having a nap every afternoon that is a-okay my friend (laughs) amazing I'm so glad you got the point in about easy work not being you know a way out as well because I think that's just such a big thing that's drummed into us and made yeah. you know there's so many people in the co-working club who I see you know feeling guilty about taking the easy option and mm-hmm. it just shouldn't be the case so yeah, yeah. definitely one to um work on definitely. but finally the question that I'm asking all of my guests if location wasn't a factor which three fellow business owners would you like to be in your co-working club so <laughs> for everyone listening, I'm a kind of, I'm, I'm like an off the cuff person when it comes to questions, but this is the one question that I've written down an answer for. <laughs> Thank you, Jess, for um, So <laughs> I would choose Abby Monroe, who's an artist and a maker and a teacher. She is the warmest hug of a human and I love her. And she <laughs> makes me very like calm and contented and happy and naturey. Check her out on, <laughs> on the gram, obvi. Then I would have someone who makes me howl with laughter. And so that would be Sasha from Cheeky Zebra. I mean, go and look at her cards. They will also make you howl with laughter. But we always have these like hilarious Instagram DM chats. She runs her business and she her like nan and her granddad and her aunt work with her in the business and we're always joking that she basically runs like a family sweatshop um she doesn't I think you know I think they love it I know they love it um, but yeah she's frigging hilarious and then I would have my singing teacher Georgia Gray who's voice studio FR she lives in Paris she has the most beautiful cat, Lyra. I've started my le- my singing lessons with her recently and it's been really interesting to, like our work hasn't just been about singing. It's been a lot about kind of my mind and body and kind of how we move. And so I think she would keep us like 
healthy and happy um, in our little co-working club. Amazing. Sounds like a nice little little group. Yeah. <laughs> Hugs and lols and singing. The perfect combination. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joe. It's been so lovely to chat and I'm sure this conversation will be really, really useful and inspiring for everyone who listens. Oh, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe so you keep up to date with all of future episodes. And if you could possibly leave a review, it would really help us in this early stage of launching the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you back here next Monday. <laughs>